This. 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 Is the Crime Board. The Crime Board Podcast. You're listening. You're listening. To the Crime Board Podcast. This is the Crime Board Podcast. With Sam West. Hello and welcome to everyone listening. I'm Sam West and welcome to the Crime Board podcast where we have a chat with the authors behind some truly exciting novels and take a look at all the behind the scenes prep that comes with the writing process. Now, of course, this podcast wouldn't exist without the wonderful list of guests that we have lined up for you this year. And today I'd like to welcome the lovely Claire Ladd, who has kindly agreed to join us for the very first episode ever. No pressure. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm absolutely fine. Thank you, Sam. It is an absolute delight to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on your first ever episode. It's just so exciting. Really glad to have you. Um, are you keeping warm at least? I, I hear that it's, it's quite cold that side. I'm freezing. I'm absolutely freezing. I've got more, more layers on than you can possibly imagine. I've got three on my feet and my feet feel like two ice cubes. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm cold. <laughs> yeah, cold, cold, but but trying to keep warm. That's an important thing. <laughs> I'm trying to keep warm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's really, really lovely to have you. Um, I know that we've we've all been talking about this for quite a while, um, and the build up has been intense, uh, just in terms of you know running around getting stuff done. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you've you've actually joined us for the first one. Um, for us, honestly, that's that's a really big deal. Oh, thank you so much. It's just so it's brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant to be here. I'm 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 really truly honoured that you've asked me. Yeah, and and I think um, I think you're the perfect person to kick off this entire. Uh, season one, first season, um, you know, which hopefully will will kick off. Yeah, so really, really great to have you. All right, so before we get started, if you have your phone on you, um, or even just off the top of your head, can you tell us? Because I'm I'm sure that we'd all love to know what is your most used emoji? Oh, my most used emoji. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do two. We'll do most recent and most used. <laughs> okay, my 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 most recent emoji is uh, the the laughy face with the two tears. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's me all over. Um, I think probably my most used one is um, the smiley face with the two uh, little blushy cheeks because I use that quite a lot. Yeah, I tend to use that a lot when, when readers are talking to me or, or other authors have been kind enough to say something nice to me. <laughs> I use that quite a lot. Yeah, they've been the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I read the other day that you can tell a lot about a person based on their emojis, which I think is only half true because it depends, doesn't it? It depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The the emojis I would use to, I don't know, my children, for instance, are going to be very, very different to emojis I would use to a reader, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's great. That's really good to know. So for anyone who doesn't know, Claire is a crime and suspense author. So... Take us back to the start then, like how, how did you get started as an author and what prompted you to start writing? Well, it certainly wasn't anything to do with crime and suspense when I first started. Um, when I decided to take um, writing seriously, because I've, I've always written ever since I was you know, very, very young, um, as I would say probably a, a lot of authors have, um, but when I decided to take it seriously, it was, it was in 2006 uh, when I decided to try and get things actually published 
And I wanted very much to be a literary writer, take the word literary to mean whatever you want. Um, and so I, I went to, uh, to try and get published in various magazines, literary magazines, and um, also in uh, mainstream women's magazines um, in the UK and Australia in particular. They were the two places I tried um, to work on. I started really small. But I, I began with with a, comp- a competition was the very first thing I uh, I got published as the winner of oh wow um, in a it, writers magazine publication that they uh, they released and uh, that story was called a monster on her shoulder and I did eventually release that as part of my first collection so it is in there um, and it was, I think it was fifteen hundred words it was quite a small story. And uh, yeah, and it, and it won. So I thought, oh, okay, this is this is pretty good. Um, that's a good start, one out of one. And I decided that sh- short stories were the way that I wanted to go um, because they are, and st- they still are my passion. They, they were then and they still are. Um, and so I, I wrote and wrote and wrote lots of short stories. And I, I just had a, a folder that kept... They've kind of kept score, really. What went in, what came back through the, through the letterbox in big white envelopes, saying "Nah, no, thank you." Um, and as soon as it came back in, it went out somewhere else. And I think at, in my heyday, I probably had, I think twenty seven was the most I managed to have out at any one point to different publications. Um, and it felt very much like they were on some sort of merry go round. You know, some got published. Some, some, some didn't. Some have never got published and will probably never ever see the light of day ever again. Um, but so, so, you know, some were fortunate enough to to win other competitions and you know, small awards. Yeah, I, I got a lovely glass trophy once. Oh um, wow! Which wow. I'm, I'm, I'm immensely proud of. Um, and it was for it was for a story that actually became the title of of my first collection, the reason for everything. And it is the story that I can read now and it still makes me cry. And I knew that I knew it was a good story the moment I realised that it was even making me cry. And I knew what happened because I wrote it. Uh, and that's very much how I judge my my short stories. If they can create in me the emotions that I would want to create in a reader, I feel like I've done my job. Um and I, I still write short stories to this day, and I love them. So yeah, that's where I started, um, and I did that for quite a long time, a considerable number of years before I decided that I would. I really, really wanted to write my first novel, and that came about from a short story. Um, and there was a character in in this particular story that seemed to just tug on on my heartstrings and I wanted to know more about her um, as well as a couple of the, the side characters in the short story I just wanted to know more about what happened to them I knew there was more to them than than this short story was giving me and that became my very first novel which took me the best part of 10 years to write and has I think something like 15 iterations of this particular novel um i don't even count them anymore there's so many um but it it became yeah like i say it became a first novel and it will always be extremely special to me it has 
my heart and soul poured into that novel. Um, looking back at it now, I wouldn't say it's particularly commercially viable, uh, but it is still out there and I will never ever remove it from sale because it's it's absolutely a part of me and it shows where I started and, and what, what started the, the ball rolling for writing novels, really. The fact that you've started with short stories to me is absolutely incredible because I've spoken to quite a few uh you know other authors who like me struggle immensely with with shorter pieces and the fact that that's actually what you started with um it's just such a it's such a great thing um because I think most of us struggle to to bring things down we're used to like writing longer things and then when you have to try and compress that and cut that down to I don't know however many words it becomes really difficult so um yeah, well done. Like that's that's really amazing. Well, thank you. I think what I really love about short stories, and probably the reason I started with them, was because they are they're such a snapshot of something that you don't necessarily have to build all this extra world around them. You don't have to have subplots all over the place. You don't have to think beyond that snapshot of the story. By the same token, what I really enjoy about writing them is that I like that that punch that they they give you. There's um, there's that moment of change in a short story um, for the character that that can come as a twist for the reader, or it might not. It might be something that you, the reader can see creeping through the story until an inevitable end, and that may or may not be. Uh, you know, a particularly pleasant ending, and a lot of mine, a lot of mine, as you can imagine, aren't. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I like the, I like the containment of of that moment in time, um, where you can just intensify every single emotion that a character is going through, and it doesn't have to be more than that. It's that, it's that one thing, that one driving moment for a character to do what it is they do, and. And it just really appeals to me. Um, I have more recently tried to write, well, I'm trying to write currently, uh, flash fiction pieces. And so I completely understand what you were saying about having to try and bring that down from from a level of of a novel Mm. where you've got a massive, um, sometimes really a wieldy beast um, to deal with. Yeah, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And it can can be, we know that. Most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time, pretty much every single day. Yeah. but to bring that down to, to something smaller can can feel really, yeah. really difficult because you're not sure what to get rid of and you're not sure which bit to contain as the core of the piece. And that, I think, is is the same for, for flash fiction. You're trying to reduce it to its absolute core element, um, to its fundamentals. And mm. I, think people, I think a lot of people don't give short fiction and particularly flash fiction uh, credit where it's due. Because it is immensely difficult to to reduce something to that absolute core and still have it tell a story that that, that packs a punch as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's essentially stripping it down, but then building it up at the same level of you're trying to achieve that same level of emotion that you would in a novel, where you actually have time to play with things and and come to that character arc or that moment. Whereas in a short story, you've only got so many words; it's like a really short timeline. And that's why I find it so impressive, like when authors are able to put, pull that off, because um, you don't have a lot to work with, and 
you still need to keep people hooked. And I find that very difficult. So yeah, I think that's really great. Absolutely. Yeah, I think different people will will find um, different elements of writing easier than others. I mean, like I say, I've, I've, I started with short stories. It appealed to me. It's where I felt like, I still feel like I'm really at home when I'm writing a short story and I get the most joy. I get, I get more joy than you could possibly imagine out of writing a short story. <laughs> and I have to, I have to, I don't have to do anything. I have to transmit it back. <laughs> That uh, that enthusiasm for for those fundamentals of the story into a novel, and I found it very difficult at first to do the opposite to, to the way you've described uh, your experience of it. In that, I, I found the novel a really unwieldy beast, and I think it's why it took me so long to write the first one because there were so many options to play with, which you don't get in a short story that I kept changing my mind. The, the, we're, we're, we're not right. And I, I know I've told you privately this many times. I will tend to start with, with the ending of a story and it doesn't matter what kind of story that is. I always know where I want that story to end. Once I've created my character, it will begin with a character. There will be some somebody that occurs to me um, and and I know it's the right character when they stick they sort of stick in my head and they just, they just live there and then I will know exactly what I want that to happen to that character at the end and then for me it's a case of working backwards and trying to figure out how on earth did that person or those people get to that point why did they get to that point what kind of people are they to, to even dream of getting to the point that I put them in and I know you've read some of my fiction Sam so you, you know what I mean when I say they have where, where they're endings, you, you think, how on earth are you going to get yeah. there? Yeah, you're going to get to there. <laughs> and so, to work, I am to let's say work backwards and try and figure out where they where they came from, literally where they came from. How on earth did they become the people they became to do what they do by the end of my books? Um, and that's the fun of the planning. That's the fun of the planning and the first drafting, the first uh, thoughts that go down on paper or on screen. Yeah. So, so what what it sounds like then is that you sort of don't have backstory first. You've got that crucial moment, like that, that climax point, and then you work backwards with that. Yeah, I do. Um, there'll be that, cl- that, that climax moment and there will be... It, it seems to work with me that uh, once I've got the character and it will be the main character, other ones then come along. They just kind of appear. I, I can't quite describe how they do. They just do. And, and I've got that end moment. I know what I want to happen. And then markers. I, I will I will work with markers in um in a novel there are certain things i know based on the ending based on the ending i know what at certain points will happen and because i know the genre because i now know with some experience of writing more than one book um what the genre expects when i'm looking at suspense i know what kind of markers i'm going to need i'm going to need i'm going to need an inciting incident near the beginning um I'm going to need something that twists maybe about a quarter of the way through. I'm going to need something big happening in the centre and I'm going to need something nice and twisty about three quarters of the way through before we hit a big whammy towards the end. And then me being me, I like to stick an extra twist on the end of that. Just when you think you know what's happened, something else. Something else happens. Nice, Nice, yeah. 
that's the whole point, isn't it? Like that's the whole point of, of, of writing a good, proper, thrilling, twisty, turny book. It's yeah. having that extra twist that people don't expect because you think, oh, I figured it out. But then. Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't even realize I was doing that until after I've written my first suspense book. And a few people contacted me and said, oh, I'd, I'd gone through it and I'd, I was figuring it out and I'd got almost to the end. And I went, yeah, I've got it. I've figured out what's going on. But then I hadn't got a clue what was going to happen at the end. And I did not expect <laughs> that. And I thought, OK, maybe that's my thing. Maybe that's what I do. Maybe that's how I that's how I end my books. I actually do this extra twist. And um, and it just seems to be a thing of mine. It seems to be how I end up working now. So that it, it, if it works, it works. And I, I'm, I'm just going to run with it. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's what's so great about like having discussions like this and finding out how other authors work. Um, and that's why I find it really interesting, um, you know, like to hear about your process and the fact that you start from the end. I personally, I could not, I could never do that. I have to plan everything out. And if, if I start at the end, I start freaking out. Like, whereas you can completely start, like, um, I think you told me once you can, you can sort of start like with the scene that you have in yeah. mind and then kind of figure out where that fits in. Yeah, I do. I literally write the ending. I write the last chapter um, before I do anything else. Um, and so I'm, I'm absolutely de determined that the book is going to end like that because I've made my mind up and that's that. Um, I then make the book fit to the ending that I, I know I want because I just so, and it went so short it's always worked for short stories for me as well whatever I decide it's always the ending that I know before I know anything else um, and it's just been part of my process uh, once I decide what the ending is it's fixed in my brain and nothing is going to change that ending and therefore that's that's when the fun starts and I have to try and figure out how on earth did, did they get to that point uh, so yeah, it's it's always a thing. I always start with the end, and I will fill in the other bits just with notes. You know, I think this happens, this happens, or this might happen instead. You know, come back to it. But if there are bits that I know in that chapter, and often that will be dialogue, um, I will get those down, um, and then I can I, I add extra bits in as well. And I find that I really enjoy writing the chapter. And when I get to a point where I just I don't know what else is happening in that chapter. I will, I will either, you know, write down notes if I can think of something or I will just put needs finishing or needs joining together or something like that. And I'll leave it. And that, that chapter that is then blue. I don't know why it just is because it's a, just a random colour that I picked and I stick with my colour scheme now. So it, it goes blue for skinny drafting. And then when I, I've done as many skinny drafts um, as I possibly can, I will then move on to to first drafting. I might edit one or two of the ones that are fully drafted, even while I'm still skinny drafting some of the others. But when it comes down to the full edit, when I do my full high-level edit, when I'm looking for plot holes and things that are missing in terms of details or, you know, was that car red in one chapter and was it blue in another one? Or has it still got an engine by chapter 15? You know, did it did it lose its engine in chapter 7 and now, it, now it's moving along? You know all the all these things that these these um, you know lack of continuity and incongruities. Um, when I'm doing that high level fix, um, I don't even attempt that until every chapter is is written because you can't because you don't if if you've not got it written you don't know what you're working with. And so that's the point when the high level edit comes in, and it may be at that point when I actually think there are other chapters I I need to add. Um, it doesn't happen ever so often, and it won't be very many of them. But sometimes I think there'd be an area of the book that will benefit by an extra chapter or a slightly different person's viewpoint or something like that. 
so that's when I will just take that back to, to that core writing uh, point and and put those in place before I then do do my next edit. Um, and editing varies depending on it. Partly for me depends on how happy I am with the original story. Um, it get, it gets a number of edits, but sometimes a book will get more edits than a different book will. They always get high level edit. They always get a full first. We'll call it a line edit. Um, even my edit, editing can be a bit messy, um, but I I know my process, so I, I work with it. Um, and then I will do another copy edit uh, to to tidy the prose to make the prose as as good as I think I can make it. Um, before I would even attempt to look at a proofread, uh, and I may even have another look through. I will also do a, a an edit stroke read through for audio. Now, to date, I've not actually produced any audio books, but I like to do a read-through for audio. I'd love that. Please do. (laughs) I know you would. (laughs) And it it will come one day. I I promise. I promise I will do it. Um, But I do... Yeah, please do that. (laughs) I know you'd really enjoy that, wouldn't you, Sam? (laughs) It's funny. My my mum keeps saying to me, when are you going to do an audio book? (laughs) I guess I'll have to do it eventually. Yeah, well, in that case, then, I'm expecting an audiobook next. <laughs> Great. I'm just landing myself in it now. No pressure. No, no pressure. Audiobooks will be coming. I just can't can't tell you exactly when. <laughs> at least at least they're on, yeah, on the map. Yeah, they're on my radar. Don't you worry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah good. Looking forward to that. <laughs> so speaking of, I've known you for like what, almost two years now, and I know that um, you tend to... To love the dark side. Yes, I do. <laughs> Very much. Yes. Yes, I've veered towards the dark side. Yes. That, that's something I've always been curious about, obviously, because I, I love dark stuff as well, but you've really put a special spin on it, um, which is really good. I, I think it's really, really good. I enjoy it a lot. Um, but what, what do you think draws you towards writing these these darker uh, sort of like crime crimey novels? It's really tricky to say. Um <laughs> It really is. It just seems to appear. It doesn't matter what kind of story I try to write, it turns dark. And if that's how my brain decides it wants to tell stories, I'm just going to run with it. Um, I remember, I can't remember the exact quote, but Agatha Christie said something about, I think somebody asked her why she doesn't write, or didn't write, other kind of um, fiction. And she said something like... um, you write what you can do, not what you can't. And that, that really, really struck me. I thought, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. And now I've mentioned Agatha Christie, I'll have to mention her a little bit more because she is very, very much the, the reason that I write crime. I began uh, reading Agatha Christie books when I was 10 and I have a full collection of Agatha Christie books. She's my absolute obsession, complete obsession of mine. And... Um, Without her, I probably would not have veered into crime at all. I used to write crime stories when I was a teenager. I used to write them for for my granddad. He used to set me off. I used to come visit every weekend, and he used to set me off um, with a some kind of scenario. He'd write it down for me, and I had to turn up the following weekend with a crime story. But they'd often end up being um, projects for my my English homework. I I, I honestly know what my English teachers must have thought of me 
And I do remember once getting a comment in my exercise book. I, I had to write this comedy piece. And I wrote this comedy piece. And, and I remember the comment coming back saying, it's nice to see you write something light for a change. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm not surprised after everything else I've given you this yeah, year. Yeah, like a therapy bill from your teachers from like 10 years ago. <laughs> my poor teachers, yeah. But they, they put up with it. And I always got good marks for my, for my, my, my strange dark stories. I was obviously, I was obviously destined to do it, and yeah. So um, <laughs> they sent me on the road to um, to writing dark stories, whichever way they were going to turn out. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really relatable. I think a lot of us are like that, especially in the crime genre. I can't speak for other genres, but I think in crime, it's almost I don't want to say a prerequisite to write dark stuff, but it is it is part of the genre. Like it's, you know, yeah, um, I agree. One of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. That I, I really enjoy exploring the psychology of these characters um, and the the events that could have led them to this point. And I, I do, I often wonder about my characters, just how black and white they are in terms of morality and the side of good and evil that they they fizz. Because uh, I often think that my characters are quite morally grey, or some, a lot of them, not every single one. But a lot of them can be quite morally grey. And I, I think that can be the same said of of people in real life. You know, you don't find people that, that sit into to one side of that element of right and wrong. We're complex people as, as human beings and lots of things come to play on us. And, and therefore, a good person might make a bad choice. A not so nice person might happily help old ladies across the road and get cats out of a tree. And that complexity of human life and the way we can behave in certain situations or the way we might behave in a certain situation is what fascinates me. And I love the thought that I might have left a reader questioning just how might they have done things differently or would they actually have done the same as a character in my book? You know, just where, where would they draw the line? And I love the thought that I leave readers with with questions as well as answers. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually like um, speaking about uh, morally grey areas or not truly knowing someone. Um, I just finished reading Broadchurch, the the TV adaptation, the novel, um, recently because that's like one of my favourite things. Um, and I think one of the quotes that really stood out to me, both in the in the TV show and in the novel, was that you can never really know what's going on inside someone else's heart and mind. Precisely, precisely. And this is this is the stuff that I really enjoy, and it's it's the kind of it's kind of things that I work with in in the novels that I'm writing. Uh, the, the the secret life in your head, and my characters certainly have some of that. They have, they, they have very secret thoughts and, and secret deeds. I, I do like my, my dark and secret deeds that then <laughs> come back and bite them. Yeah, they, they, they get really interesting. <laughs> but in a good way. I mean, obviously, in a really good way. Like, for instance, okay, without giving anything away about uh, No Deadlier Time. But, um, yeah, Harry, let's just say Harry was not um, the person... He started out as yes, yeah. Harry is definitely not the person you think he is. I'm still, I'm still thinking about him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think out of all my characters, he probably is the one that has had the biggest change to his life in his head and just in, in general. Yeah, I think, and then, and probably in terms of impacting other characters as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was 
yeah, I think he had quite an impact all away around. Yes, I enjoyed writing Harry. Yeah, I, I can I can see that as well. Um, I'm not going to give anything away because people obviously need to read that. Please do. Um, if you're listening and you haven't read that, please do because it, it gets <laughs> really <you> intense <laughs> in a good way, like in a really good way. I think I finished that in what like three nights. Um, and then I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about the plot and thinking like I was I, I read it as a reader but afterwards I started thinking about it as a writer and I was like how on earth did you get to this conclusion and I absolutely love it if you saw the process to get to the conclusion Sam you would uh, you'd wonder what on earth I was doing <laughs> if if what I've described to you about my process sounded messy then writing that book was the messiest book I've ever written it was absolute chaos Oh yeah. yeah, it took a long time to bring that book together. It, it really did. I had a lot of difficulties drawing that book together in the way that I felt that it would work. Um, but I, I think by the time I got to the end, um, oh. I was happy with how how it went. Yeah, and, and obviously, like we will get into that in detail um, in the next one. Because um, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to actually dive into those books, do a deep dive, and and uh, understand your process behind each character's. Well, that'll be fun. Um, characters sort of like like their mindset and their motive, but you know how they've come to change. Um, I'm really interested in that as well, like really breaking them down. So yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Um, so this novel that you're you're currently busy with, um, that's the one that will be available um, on pre-order very soon, won't it? Yes, it will. Yes, it yes, it definitely will, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's having it's having no choice in the matter. Yes, it's going. It, by the time uh, by the time this podcast airs, it will be available to pre-order. Yes, lovely. Do you have a date for us? Yes, I do. It should be fingers crossed available at the very very end of February um, for pre-order. Oh, that's exciting. So <laughs> yes, yeah. But I'm not going to tell you what the exact date, release date is yet. Although that's if it's fine. on pre-order, that's when you you'll find out if it's on pre-order because it will be it will be there obviously. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to mention that right now. I'm going to keep you in suspense a bit longer for that one. Well, that's fine. We'll just have to wait. I mean, I know it's going to be just as dark and twisted as the other one, so I'm really excited. Uh, yes, it is. It very much is. It's, it's more <laughs> twisted than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Prepare not to sleep. <laughs> I don't think the characters are going to get which sleep. I don't mean, like, be prepared not to sleep because it's terrifying but because i'm probably not gonna be able to put it down like with harry i was like i want to know what happens <laughs> but that's good i mean that me that makes me feel like i've done my job if if you can't yeah. put it down or don't want to put it down then yeah that makes that makes me feel that i've I've done my job as a writer um particularly exactly. as a exactly. suspense writer if, if you've got to the end of a chapter and you want to read the next one then that's that's what I would be hoping for. Yeah, you, do you know what? I, I was going to say, like, I think you should start giving suspense masterclasses because I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> and I'd love to learn. <laughs> well, there's something for me to write down on my little notebook. <laughs> suspense masterclasses. Wow. <laughs> yeah, make a note. I am writing it down, Sam, I promise. Oh, uh, yeah, because, I mean, I'm so used to, like, the um, procedural type stuff. Like, I'm used to that suspense like that's a whole new thing because i'm like you could go in any direction which direction do you go in <laughs> you know there are so many that's just it um you could take your story in so many directions um i mean obviously you know as, as i've said i kind of i limit my choices by knowing what my ending is going to be so therefore i have to get my characters from from a to b to c to d to end um um, but within that, though, there are, there are so many 
uh, so many pathways they could take to get to that end. Um, and the the fun of that bit is figuring out which is going to be the one that's going to be the most suspenseful, the most twisty turny, which is going to give the characters the most trouble. And that's the fun bit for me, which is going to give the characters the most trouble and at the same time please the reader. Yeah, exactly. And we love, we do love putting them through um, the trenches, don't we? Through the wars. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a fun in it. <laughs> Best bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to um, to the, the, the pre-order novel, um, give us your best 10 second elevator pitch. I'm like, not to put you on the spot, but yeah, what's what's the novel about? Like give us a, give us a wow. little taste. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if I could do it in quite 10 seconds, but I'll give it a go. Okay. Lucy and Andy share a dark secret and it becomes a lot more deadly when Lucy attempts to escape her obsessive husband and spend time in a hotel owned by the mysterious Charlotte. When everyone's telling lies, who can you trust? I like it. So, so is, it, is it like a locked room type mystery or um, not locked room in the sense that you mean a locked room mystery? Um, it may involve locked rooms. <laughs> You know what I'm like, Sam. Anything could be locked in anywhere. Um, I like, I like literal. <laughs> it might literally be locked in a room. What I, what I will say is that it is mainly set in uh, a hotel for creatives, which is quite it's, it's quite isolated, and it's also got oh, very very few people there. Certainly not by the time my characters get there. In fact, it may be that they are the only one. And there may be a reason for that. Yeah, see, I want to ask questions now and I can't, like, I have to keep it in. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Um, the title as well, I feel like the title is really intriguing and I kind of want to ask, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask yet why you've chosen that title um, or if we should wait. <laughs> Hers or mine? Um, there, there are numerous reasons i chose that title and if i tell you any of them it is going to spoil the story so you will have to you will have to wait but it, it does have, it certainly does have a reason there, there is an absolute reason why why it is called what it is called in fact like i said there are multiple threads to the reason yeah that's good that's good i love that and i love that everyone has secrets like that's my favorite kind of twisty sort of <laughs> oh yeah everybody's got secrets yes they have. i'm very excited yeah. about that Definitely. Can't wait for that. <laughs> so for um, our listeners who, who don't know or, or who possibly have tuned in and um, have discovered you for the first time, where can we find you? Okay, you can find me, uh, you find everything that I do um, on my website at clairelads.com. Um, you'll also find me mainly on social media, mostly on Instagram and Facebook, but sometimes on TikTok as well. Um at Claire Lads really? yeah, Did you not realise I was on TikTok? Yes. I'm I'm intermittently on TikTok. Intermittently. Um but pre predominantly predominantly Instagram and Facebook. And it's yeah, Claire Lads Author on all of those. Yeah. That's where you'll find me. All right, brilliant. Perfect. That is great. Yeah, well definitely. Um I'll be popping those links in the description as well. Oh, thank you very much then. But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um it's been really lovely having you today especially for the first episode thank you so it's much and um yeah it was really great first of many oh, i've helped. absolutely loved it thank, thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute joy i've loved every single moment of it and i am thoroughly 
thoroughly honoured to be your very first guest on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And definitely not the last, like we'll have you on quite a lot. So very much looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it too. I'll be very excited to be to be back again. Oh, definitely. So Hers and Mine will be available for pre-order towards the end of February. So be sure to click that link as soon as yes. it's live. Um, and as someone who has read Claire's books well into the early hours of the morning, I can assure you, you definitely will not be disappointed. Wow. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so please do um be on the, the lookout for that link um as soon as it's up i will be sharing it as well so um yeah have a look for that thank you um and then yeah you can find us on instagram at crime board podcast and on twitter as well and if you enjoyed our first episode stay tuned for the next one where we'll be having a chat with crime and thriller author heath gunn until then thanks for joining us and i'll see you on the next one oh.